Well, good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another edition of the Industry Insider here on the EKN Radio Network. It's Tuesday, February the 5th, 2019. And again, thank you for tuning in to the ECAN Radio Network. Our numbers for January, fantastic. We just continue to grow this program. It's only been a year since we started the ECAN Radio Network, but we thank uh, those of you who take the time to give us some feedback, send us emails on Facebook, whatever it may be. But yeah, great numbers to kick off the season here on the ECAN Radio Network. Uh, episode number 17 of the Industry Insider, and uh, actually first time we've had this gentleman with us, uh, but we've definitely been watching the program over the last number of years. I have uh, Marco Oldhofer from the Gear Up F-Series with us, of course, essentially the powerhouse uh, foundation regional program up in the Northeast U.S. Uh, Again, Marco and his crew promoting essentially the largest series in the Northeast. It's a five-weekend program. It hits four different states. They start down in North Carolina, of course, with the weather. Uh, It's tough to get going up in the Northeast early, then New Jersey, New York, and Pennsylvania. And in it, as well, a pretty diverse class structure compared to some of the other organizations around the country. They still offer the tag categories and also the home of the only true KZ shifter program in the U.S. So, Marco, there's your intro. Uh, was I pretty much bang on or did I miss anything? Well, yeah, I don't need to say much more. Uh, <laughs> and I want to thank you for giving me the opportunity to be on uh, on the podcast. Well, it's great to have you with us. You know, we, we've been trying to get different areas around the country. We did about, I think we did 53 podcasts last year, and not many of them were the industry insiders. Some, of course, industry people, some uh, promoters. So we've got more to hit. Obviously, you were the very top of our box for 2019. You know, one of the things, Marco, we like to do early because, you know, we, as I said before, we're getting great numbers uh, and across the country, people listening to the EKN Radio Network, and some of them, you know, may not know much about the F-Series. We're going to give you a chance to talk about the history of the F-Series and kind of where you're going. Of course, this whole podcast will talk so much about the 2019 season, but what's your origin story? You know, I always love learning how people got into this sport. What was it, and, and how did you make your entrance into the sport of karting? Well, I think I probably made my entrance very much like a lot of people did. I found it through, you know, watching racing on TV. Uh, I didn't have any family that was involved in racing, but uh, certainly went and uh, watched a lot of racing, kind of was just involved in a lot of stuff uh, that was speed orientated when I was younger, a lot of muscle car stuff. Uh, really kind of cool stuff. And then um, I basically went to Europe to go visit my family. Um, it was around the time when Michael Schumacher was really like working hard and, and making a lot of energy there. I think they they had like some crazy amount of um, indoor karting tracks. I think it was like one for every 10 miles around from each other. <laughs> and uh, so it was really cool. And a friend of mine had said, hey, we should go indoor karting. I didn't know much about it. Uh, got in it, uh, and I, I. It was actually a really funny story because I, um, once I got out of the cart, uh, my hands were wrapped around the steering wheel. Couldn't get my hands off of it, and uh, and I was said to myself, "Well, I'm never doing that again." And uh, there goes that. Uh, basically, you know, I was addicted. I mean, it's so cool to to kind of just do that and um, and just be involved. And even in the indoor karting stuff, uh, it was really cool. And then I kind of came back to the U.S., couldn't really find much about it. Uh, went to a swap meet uh, and found a go-kart, uh, an old Emic uh, with a um, – with a Yamaha KT100. And I said, wow, where do you do this? And basically from there on, he kind of led me in the direction where I, where I can find races and so on and so forth. And I did that. And 
you know, basically the rest is history. I did that for about uh, 10 years, um, was racing pretty aggressively, moved through the ladder, uh, kind of, you know, gravitated to a lot of stuff that was going on in Europe. I love direct drive stuff, did a lot of that with the 125cc direct drive out of, yep. uh, of the Rio Mar, uh, Brazilian type uh, setup. And, and then basically once the Leopard came around, uh, you know, basically gravitated towards that since it was kind of what we were doing already. Um, and then kind of did that for another five years with tag. Um, and then started dabbling and trying to figure out how to, uh, make the sport, you know, fun on the promotion side for me. Uh, I kind of, you know, wanted to be involved in that portion of it. So that's kind of the history about what, how I kind of <clears throat> ended up where I am today. Yeah, it's a it's a deep history. I didn't realize that you were, had been involved in that many years. You know, you talk about being back in the Yamaha with, with the Emic, and then all of a sudden, you know, we're talking fifteen something years behind the wheel. That's uh, that's very cool, and and obviously interesting to hear you say you gravitated towards certain things. And I think that's funny, right? Because there's a lot of people that just want to go racing, and the Briggs two hundred six is such an easy jump out of an indoor karting deal. But if you if you had that kind of European feel background, or 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 whatever, maybe sports cars, you may want to get in something a little different, right? You were thinking about the two cycle stuff. And it's interesting to hear what you gravitated to, what was personally attractive to you in terms uh, of what you wanted to get into. Now, question though, because listen, there's lots of people who get into an indoor karting facility, fall in love with it and go racing or their parents raced or whatever, and they race. It's a very small group, Marco, <laughs> that number one, jump into the industry from being, you know, being, being a racer. Uh, even a smaller group that end up being becoming major league promoters. So, where was it in your, or what was the transition? What was the, you know, what was the the genesis of you saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm going to promote some races because that's not something that that normally happens." Well, you know, I, I think actually what had happened is when I first got from the indoor stuff, bought that cart, like I just kind of went over. Um, yeah. Basically what had happened is I went to the racetrack and and I always felt like that there wasn't enough competition at the track. So I, I felt that I had to take it upon myself to try to get, uh, you know, more people involved so that I could actually race more people. Yeah. Um, so I basically, you know, I, I worked a lot with the people at Raceway Park, which is Englishtown, New Jersey, um, mm-hmm. and the people that promoted races here. Um which was, you know, the Raceway Park uh, Karting Championship. And basically I said, you know, what can I do to attribute some help here? And and basically for about seven or eight years of when I was karting, I would stand, you'll laugh. Uh, some people probably think it's pretty cool. Some people probably think it's pretty crazy to do. But I would basically stand at swap meets for three days in a row with my go-kart to try to get people interested in the sport. Uh, I would basically, I've done... I've done Boy Scout meetings where parents would look at me like I had six heads because I'm trying to take their kid out of a campground and bring them to a racetrack. <laughs> uh, there's there's a lot of funny stories I mean, and some really good stories. I mean, I basically once uh, went to a monster truck show and outside the monster truck show was Scion brought an actual uh, whole track, whole setup with a with with four cycle Hondas and stuff on it. Uh, and all of a sudden, they, I said, could I advertise with you guys? I, I don't know, you know, you guys charging? He said, no, this is free. So sure enough, I said, all right, let me go and advertise with these guys. This is great. Uh, I guess this was like an advertisement for Scion. Well, all of a sudden, I say, said, oh, you want to take the cart for a run? I said, sure. So I went and took the cart for a run. Well, guess what? I end up winning a prize to go to Las Vegas at the SEMA show 
wow. uh, just from this average. And so carding has given me so many uh, memorable <laughs> moments and, and, you know, funny stuff, how you just get a little lucky in some cases. Uh, but I got to say that it's been a, been a pleasure to be involved in this sport on so many fronts uh, uh, because, you know, the, all the friends you make being involved is, is pretty special. So I, I'm really happy in how everything has been turning out so far. Well, I, I certainly agree with that side of it. But again, you know, very commendable for you because that's really the, the work that you did getting into the trenches, essentially taking the sport to people that, you know, maybe pre-qualified because they were some of them were at swap meets or whatever it may be, or even to a place like you said, like the Boy Scouts, where you're going somewhere where these guys aren't pre-qualified as racing fans. But man, that's, that's the kind of thing that, that we still need in the sport now. And I know you'd agree that our best bet would be to, to, to introduce the sport to people that don't even know about it as of yet so uh, so that so that was kind of the starting when did you start the f series when was the when was the first when was your first program that you actually put together uh well you know what it, it basically started with uh in 2006 when the leopard really turned turned in uh to to something really big and, and you know the tag program in general we had basically adopted it and i used to run with this gentleman and we still cl- keep in close contact uh, uh this young man renato lopes and um basically what he did is he he brought in um probably about 10 or 15 brazilian guys to run at our local club race and i okay. and i loved it i thought what these guys were doing was just great it was a camaraderie uh, of, of guys and basically from from that direct drive setup, we basically transitioned over to the uh, to the Leopard, and that was in 2006. So for four years, I promoted with this gentleman uh, this particular program, hence the name F125, uh, okay. because it kind of derived from our direct drive program, so on and so forth. And then basically in 2010, we said, you know, we should do um, we should do an event to kind of uh, uh, remember one of our fallen guys that basically, I mean, this is a pretty far off the base story here, but he had kind of been in an accident uh, with work and uh, we raced with him the week before and he passed away on the Monday. And so we kind of wanted to memorialize him with a race and it was called the Mario race. And from there on it kind of, and that was a real wake up call. Uh, You know, it's a lot more difficult to run a race than most people would anticipate. You think, Oh, it's all fun and games. And, (laughs) and that was my first real, and I was, I probably should have turned back right then and there, but uh, (laughs) you know, then I really got motivated and trying to make something. And, uh, and so in 2010 was our first real race, but then, you know, it just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think we've been legitimately serious uh, since probably 2011. So that's kind of where we started doing three events and then we went to five events and then seven. And, you know, now we're up to quite a few with all of our local stuff that we do. And Yeah, no doubt about it. One of the major success stories in the, in the Northeast and, of course, in American karting as the whole, the development of this F-Series, this Gear Up F-Series program, Right now on the Industry Insider, episode number 17 here on the EKN Radio Network, speaking with Marker Oldhoffer. We will be back, folks. Stay with us because when we get uh, back from this break, uh, we're going to start talking about 2019. Marco's kind of giving us a little bit of backstory so we can see where we are. But it's time to talk about where the F-Series is positioned for 2019, the plans they've got working. We'll talk about the schedule, and we'll go into maybe some of the new stuff that Marco's ready to roll out here for the upcoming season. Stick with us. More to come on the EKN Radio Network. This is Chris Wheeler, and you're listening to the EKN Radio Network. Looking for that extra edge? Comet Racing Engines is your answer. 
The engine service program from Comet Kart Sales has been winning from coast to coast at all levels in different forms of the sport. Lead engine builders Mark Harrison and Gary Lawson have decades of karting experience, providing racers the power to reach the top step of the podium. Comet Racing Engines continually perform track and dyno tests to provide their customers with the cutting edge in engine performance. Comet specializes in Yamaha KT100, IAMI Swift, IAMI X30, IAMI Leopard, and Rock Engines. Trackside and customer support are the cornerstones of the Comet Racing Engines business, ensuring each and every customer receives personal attention and the help they need to achieve the best results. Engine rentals are available at all the events that Comet attends in 2018, including WKA, SCUSA, USPKS, and the Route 66 Sprint Series. Contact the Comet team today at CometCartSales.com or by calling 317-462-3413. If you're looking to step up your engine program, send it to Comet Racing Engines. Hi, EKN listeners. This is Jeff Wessel from Streeter Superstands. When it comes to lifts and stands for your carts and the largest selection of shop and trailer accessories, we know all about building and giving you the best. The Streeter Superstands crew has over 30 years of experience, are cart racers just like you, and know that the Streeter name stands for durability, affordability, and most of all, quality. We're the original and genuine manufacturer of Bigfoots and Stacker Stands, and we build them right here in the USA, along with our best-selling Streeter Superlift, upright stands, and an ever-growing roster of shop and trailer accessories to outfit any trailer or garage. While some guys pretend to be number one, we prove it every day, every race. Racers demand the best, and Streeter Superstand builds it. Check us out at StreeterSuperstands.com. When it comes to the best in lifts, stands, shop and trailer accessories, and all the cool necessities to make your race day easy and organized, it's all at StreeterSuperstands.com. We innovate, not imitate. Roll with the best right now at StreeterSuperstands.com. Hello, karting fans. This is Andy Saisman, and you are locked in to the EKN Radio Network. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network. Rob Howden here with you. Episode number 17 of the Industry Insider. Joined today by Marco Oldhofer from Gear Up F-Series, the program that has uh, become kind of the foundation of regional competition. They work with a lot of clubs as well. We'll talk about state championships. But essentially the program that really is Northeast karting to a certain extent. Uh, Marco, let's jump into the 2019 uh, program. What? First of all, let's, let's look at the schedule. Five races, uh, I believe. Is it five races and how many – is it seven overall events, I think, over those five weekends? Is that, is that correct? That's correct. So April 26, 27, you're heading down to Mooresville, kind of getting things started with your Northeast guys, not so much in the Northeast, but down at Mooresville at that great track. Uh, late May, May 24, 25, at E-Town, as you said, Englishtown, New Jersey. Uh, July 19, 2021, a three-race deal up at New York Race Complex. Uh, then race number weekend number four, August 16th and 17th at the Pittsburgh International Race Complex. You cap off the season on September 21, 20, uh, 2021-22 at New Jersey Motorsports Park. That's the five-race program for this year based on what I was able to do with my research. Give us give us some input. What's the approach for 2019? Well, you know, I, uh, what we've done is we, we basically uh, took one race off the schedule. Not that we wanted to, we, we love doing, you know, uh, to me, it's great to spend time at the track and to see everybody each and every weekend. Uh, but certainly, you know, the, the gear up has kind of changed a little bit. Uh, 
and I, I want to say that it hasn't changed. Uh, it just changed a, a slight bit, and and the reason why is is because it's gotten. It always gets increasingly more competitive. Uh, the longer you do this, the more competitive it becomes. Yeah. And of course, with competition, it also becomes a little bit more costly. So that what we figured is uh, we continue the same kind of energy, uh, keep uh, the people that we currently have involved, be able to stay involved by taking one round away um, and kind of making it five weekends instead of six. So that's one thing. And, and we've kind of closed up our traveling circle a little bit. Um, in a sense of that we don't go further away than we kind of were last year. Uh, but this year, uh, it, things are looking incredibly good um, just from the feedback that we're receiving uh, from the tracks. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't want to you know, compare ourselves to anybody else. But, man, we've got a schedule that just is absolutely perfect. Uh, it just, you know, uh, starting at GoPro is a fabulous track, and everybody looks forward to being at that racetrack. Um, you know, another great piece for us is that we are, you know, a very heavily sided for shifter racing. So a lot of the tracks that we go to uh, don't have any other shifter racing. So if you're looking for a good shifter race at these tracks, particularly, you know, this is kind of the event to hit. So I think that's a really good part about it. Um, of course, um, you know, New York race complex, obviously I have a soft spot for the place. I know the, I know the guy, uh, and, uh, you know, a lot of hard work went in there and, and it's perfect for shifter racing. I mean, I'm going to be honest, uh, it's tough to do on a local event scenario because obviously shifter racing is a little bit tough when it comes to local racing, but, uh, when big events and, and if you're a shifter program, uh, that is the place to hit primarily just a, just a way of the layout. Uh, Pittsburgh all, always been a favorite for, for guys, um, you know, on tags and, and shifters as well. Um, and then of course, you know, in, uh, nobody can ever say that New Jersey Motorsports Park isn't one of the top uh, tracks in the country as well. English town is a little bit smaller for us. We've kind of named it the bull ring. Um, it's definitely a place that, um, create some pretty fierce competition and great races over the years. So I think our schedule overall is just top notch. Um, and even the spacing gives a little bit of room to do maybe something else as well, uh, which is a good thing. For those who don't know, Marco actually now the owner of New York race complex. And when he said he knows the guy, it means he knows him very, very well. They talk every morning in the mirror. Um, we'll talk more about the New York race complex a little later on, because I think that's uh that's another commitment, Marco, that you've made to the sport and to, to racing up in the Northeast. We'll go there, but you mentioned shifter carts and how a lot of the, ca- a lot of the tracks you go to really play well for the, the shifter carts. And you have a lot of shifter support uh, in your program. Let's segue that and talk about class structure. You know, you've, you've done some things that other organizations haven't done. You've maintained the tag program. So you can run an IAMI if you want, you, an X30. You can run the Rock. You can run a Rotax. That's not something we see everywhere, but you're making it work. Talk a little bit about the class structure that you guys are going to use for this year. I know it's very similar to years past, but just for people that don't know the F-Series, talk a little bit about the class structure that you have in place. Well, you know, the class structure, that's probably what I spend about 98% of my conversation on yeah. during a week or a year. Um, uh, you know, we, we try to uh, hit as many different manufacturers as possible. and But obviously, with that being said, uh, we also try to do it so that, you know, there's fair and equal competition. And, and, and the one thing I don't want to do is invite somebody to the race who doesn't have a chance uh, with that particular package. Yep. So, it, I you know, I make it a a very 
important piece to actually have those engines uh, work well with each other. And, you know, you're going you're, you're gonna to like this. Uh, last year, we had seven races. And out of those seven races, we had three manufacturers win throughout the year. Uh, one being a Rotax, uh, one being an X125, yep. and the other one being an X30 just in, in tag. So that's a really great piece. Um, when it comes to the minis, um, you know, we basically have one group with a mini rock. You know, I started, um, with the mini rock program when mini Swift wasn't even around yet. Um, so that kind of one thing people always have said, Oh, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Uh, one thing people have found out about me that I'm probably one of the loyal guys when it comes to somebody that helps me. Um, So the mini rock guys, uh, Vortex in general, have done a fantastic job trying to help me promote the program. So is everyone else. But, uh, you know, when when basically when we were looking for options to change from from the Comer, uh, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about any particular product, but man, you know, the mini rock slash vortex, the IAMI stuff versus some of the other products out there, you know, we're really, you know, it's a home run for the community and for the, for the people using the product. So um, with that being said, so what we try to do is we try to use as many products as we possibly can, but also be able to use them in a fair and equal way. Uh, and I noticed you had just said, and I think one of the Facebook questions on the e-carding news post had requested and looked at rock gp we do not use rock gp believe it or not in our tag uh the reason why we don't use it is because uh vortex uh garrett potter myself uh, mario we have worked pretty hard to try to fit that particular engine in and no matter what we've done we can't do it uh we can't do it the right way. Yeah. So guess so. what? We're not doing it. Um, why don't we do it? Is because uh, you know what's most important in this sport? Not the series, uh, not the manufacturers. The racers are the most important piece of our sport. Without them, uh, this doesn't work. So we have to make sure that we are the forefront of you know a fair and an unbiased rule package. So if it doesn't fit, then it won't be there. And that's kind of where we've left off on that. Uh, you know, I can keep talking. So just, you know, cut me off at any point in time. Don't worry. Like I would know. It's, uh, it's listen, the, the, the uh, you know, the stage is yours. I, you know, you're going through the, your, your class structure. And I think this is great stuff. This is what people want to learn about. They, not only do they want, we could just say, hey, here's the class structure. Boom, 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 boom. But, the, you know, the, the idea about this podcast is to give some give some information behind what's the motivation? Why are you doing what you do? So you continue on. I, I think that's great. I like the, the loyalty and the, and the mini rock program is great. It was obviously it, it was a huge thing right around 2010, 11 and 12. You know, that was a fit. It still is a fantastic motor package. And I, I commend you for having that loyalty. That's that's solid. What, let's let's move to let's move to. Uh, to the tag category. So you, you ran the F, the Formula 125 class. You run tag as well. Give some insight into that. Right. Well, you know, a lot of people say, oh, man, how do you how are you manage in this 125 program? Well, I'll tell you, I'm not managing anything. It is probably the most uh, – uh, the most passionate people when it comes to being in the sport is is our program when it when it comes to the class the formula one twenty five it has been the backbone of this program one hundred percent when everything else fails that 's there yeah. uh, and you know what and it and it's a testament to the engine uh, you know I know listen every engine has their issues and 
you know, at the end of the day, when you run a race motor for 100,000 miles, it's not going to be super reliable at the end of that. So, uh, you know, when I first used the Leopard, it was a fantastic motor um, and it was super reliable. Um, so I, I saw the beginning of of the Leopard and it was great and just like it is with the rest of these engines. So we've kind of held on to that and uh, and people like it. Right now you can go pretty easily on any kind of um you know on your on your marketplace on, yep, on EK on, yep. yeah on your forums and you can purchase a, a Leopard pretty reasonably and get into the sport and follow a fun program around. Okay. That's great. You know, if we can do that, um, and in this program, you have the options. You want it? You want to come from Washington State and run an X125 or, or anywhere in between? You want to run a Rotax because you're 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 hooked up with J3? That's great too. Come on down. I, I think what's most important is that we um, that we we uh, we do put a program together where everything is fair um, and, and everybody can run together. Um, you know, it, it's kind of funny when you have multi-engine programs, you know, customers or racers rather will say, oh, you know, th- this engine's faster than mine. Um, and you know what? We're more than will- welcome to listen. Um, bring us forward your data. That's the first thing I say. I, I can't make changes on opinions. I can yep. make changes on data. If you bring me data, uh, you know, there was a very, very big push forward from the Rotax guys this year in our region. Great, great job by those guys. And uh, all of a sudden, we saw them running neck to neck with the X30s and and with the X125 guys. And you're going to love it because somebody comes up and says, how come the Rotax is so quick this, this weekend? And I'm going to say, well, they've been doing their homework. They've been at it. And sure enough, I, I went and got the data sheet. And I showed them the uh, information and the X30 actually ran a 10th faster, but the Rotax won. So, you know, at the end of the day, it's about consistency versus all out speed. Right. And and that was a, a pretty key piece for me because I'd like to make sure that we are on point with these, you know, and, and we'll make changes if they have to be there. If we feel like that they're uh, somebody is, is running away with something, we'll make that change because that's not that shouldn't happen for anyone. And that's always been what the challenge of running a tag program from when that and that, that package first came out, that concept of having different engines coming in. It's always been that issue because certain engines get a little bit of change here, a little change there. And all of a sudden we see an inequality. And for you guys to be, you know, very forward on it and very forward thinking on it, I think is, is tremendous. Now, we talk about that. What about, what about looking forward to your shifter cart program? Because again, you said it before, really is one of the core components of what the gear up F series is, is it not is that great stock Honda program. You've got KZ as well. You've got the rock shifter. Now talk a little bit about how your, your shifter cart, your gearbox program is going to work for 2019. Well, in the past, we've actually had uh, three different programs. Uh, two of them ran together, the rock and the Honda ran together. Uh, and then the KZ ran separately. Um, and, and one thing that we saw um, that we had a, a, a different uh, – the community in shifters were uh, basically from 15 years of age, um, 160 pounds, to, um, you know, to 60 years old and, and 220 pounds. Yeah. So it's, it's a pretty broad uh, spectrum of drivers that we've had, and which is a great thing. I think that this is super important to have that. Uh, I think it's it's great that we're able to do that. You know, I, I remember Eric Jones saying to something to me, I we don't see a community like yours anywhere. And and that's a testament to our to our approach, I think. But 
you know, not to boast too much about what, how we get it done or what we do and who we have working with us. But I think it's a great thing. But one thing, but that also makes us have to look at our class structure very, in, you know, intensely here. So I think the most important piece about this is, is that in the past, we've had three shifter programs, uh, one with Rock, uh, one with uh, Honda, and then one with the KZ. But they were all geared towards the same scenario, right? They were all geared towards 15 years of age and 170 pounds. Yep. And uh, so basically what we've seen over the past couple of years is some of the guys who may just be enjoying the events for other reasons than just to all out win all the time, uh, maybe getting a little bit, um, I don't know, discouraged or not having such a great time. Uh, because it's just geared just for that one type of person. Uh, so now what we've done over this year um, is we've created a little bit more of a, of a program where there's a super serious group, which is going to be our KZ scenario. Uh, then we have a kind of a middle of the road scenario with Formula Shifter, where all three genres are basically put into one program. And then we do have uh, an age-orientated group at 43 years old uh, with a slightly heavy weight. But, you know, depending on the numbers, they'll, they'll run together or they'll run separate. But KZ will always run separate this season. So we have a pretty, um, pretty aggressive group on shifters. I've got people coming from all over the place. I've got some, uh, some people anticipating to come from Europe on this stuff. Um, so we're getting a lot of energy on the KZ because I think it's, uh, it's a, it is a special class. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, so there's the, there's the next question, the obvious question, Marco, is what what is the fascination with KZ for you? And I don't want to, I'm not saying like it's not it shouldn't be a fascination because we all love it, the Super Nats, when you know the KZ guy comes comes out, and I you know I remember watching the Formula C World Championships and whatever it may be. The KZ stuff is massive. You know, we had the ICC here for a while. It kind of took over from the built motos. We went ICC. Everybody said it was going to be out of the box. It was going to be cheaper. At the national level, the crazy national level, people started getting really crazy with them. It got expensive, hence paving the way for stock Honda to come in, which then of course has raised its prices up. For you, for you, what is it? Why why are you the guy? Why is F Series the program that really has been the bastion of KZ racing? You guys are the supporters of that program, you know, not just one weekend. But from January 1st to December 31st, you guys are there for KZ. Well, you know, I I think, uh, you know, and sometimes I may not sound correct um, the way I say things. Um, Sometimes people take me the wrong way. But believe it or not, before I started promoting, I actually thought that shifter racing was somewhat difficult, uh, especially when it comes to a local level. It's a little bit too much. It's like buying a full-blown race car on an amateur level. It's just, it's just very, very hard. But then basically what changed my mind is of course the group that uh, had created the Northeast shifter card series, uh, Michael Rivera and, and, and uh, this young man, Bernard uh, Mominovic that basically put a lot of effort towards this particular genre. Um, Just Mike raced it a lot. um, Bernard promoted it a lot. So at the end of the day, these guys kind of started that. And then, so what basically, Basically, they, you know, we kind of came together because we were in the same region and um, it was just a really good fit. So basically, they had come in and we worked together for about three to four years before Mike had said, you know what, I think, uh, you know, it'd be better for the community to have one home instead of having two homes. And that's how this kind of thing got gelled together. As we know, you know, more people working together 
to, to go in the right direction, in the same direction is going to be a, a good thing for the sport. So that's kind of how this worked out. And uh, ever since then, believe it or not, because watching the races, uh, kind of having my son involved in the shift of racing, it's it's the coolest thing ever. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I can't, uh, you know, I'm not going to deny it. I'm a fan. Uh, <laughs> and it's just super cool. I mean, the starts that we have, the standing start lights that, you know, uh, display just like Formula One. It, it's exactly what we all aspire to. Um, so what, what, what I'm thinking is, um, you know, about the KZ, you know, I think that goes back to where I, where I'm from. Um, you know, the Europeans basically, you know, have taken carding and, and professional made it super professional. Um, you know, and if I look at, for instance, you know, I use DKM as a lot of my, uh, yep. as something that I would look up to and see what's going on. I mean, you know, in reality, they have OK Junior, OK Senior, KZ1, KZ2. They have 200 entries. Um, what are we doing wrong? Um, I don't know exactly why that works there and it doesn't work here. Um, but all I can do is try to emulate it, uh, try to put that kind of an energy behind it. I, I am kind of torn a little bit um, about how I promote. Um, a lot of people say, oh, you know, you should really take this thing and make it even more crazy and make it more professional and get this and get that. Man, but I, I really like to have all the local guys. I like to have, I like to invite everybody to the party. And when you do that, when you create that ultra professional scenario, I think you kind of cut a lot of the people out that I really enjoy their, you know, their time at the track with me. So, well, Marco, what you've done a lot with your class structure and, and you you can hear the theme as we talk about it, is you're removing those barriers of entry. You know, you're making it easier for people to come out and race with you, whatever it may be, whether they're on a different engine package, whatever you're being inclusive, not an exclusive. And you're right. If you were to, if you were to raise your game to the next level, you're going to cut out a bunch of guys that simply can't afford that go that racing, or maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable in that kind of a scenario as well. Right. The, the, like, like Eric Jones said, you guys have this community that you guys have built where people are fiercely protective of what you guys do and they're big fans and big supporters of what you do. And I think that speaks volumes to the program you're developing. And again, like you said, you could definitely take it to the next level, but you may lose some of that core culture that you've been able to develop over the last nine years. Well, I think to kind of come to a middle ground is, is where what's important is to kind of have it where – uh, you know, I want to have my cake and eat it too, but kind of. I mean, basically, what I'd like to see is I'd like to have this this really special feeling that we have, and yet at the end of the day, have like a really, you know, professional race. I don't know if those yeah. two can coexist, uh, but uh, you know, we're willing to give it a try, and we're going to continue exactly with which the way we've been doing. I mean, some people, of course, will say, "Oh, you need you need to take that next step," but I don't think. Some people understand that when you take that next step, that it's not as uh, uh, as special in some way. You're going to change what you are. That's for sure. If you take that next step, you're going to you're going to alter what the the Gear Up F series actually is right now. It, it'll be different. Will it be better? It could be, but it's going to be different for sure. It's as simple as that. Right. Uh, all right. Question for you. Anything new for 2019? I'll give you a chance to talk about what you have new on the plate and. Uh, and while you're done there, you know, talk a bit about your sponsors too, uh, your partners. And I, I know that you have a, a, a really solid group of of partners within the industry and outside the industry that really support what you guys do. Yeah, you know, I, I take very big pride in in the people that support. You know, as loyal as I am, when I understand that people are as loyal to me, I'm I'm there all the way, and I'll fight to the end for that. So it's very important, and, and that goes from from the people that 
you know, work at the program uh, from a from a corner official to uh, our tech person to our, our registration to to our biggest sponsor. Uh, at the end of the day, every one of them is pushing for us to get you know to make a better community. So uh, with that being said, yeah, I mean, you know, we've had, uh, for instance, like, you know, if, you, if I could start naming names, start plugging a Go little bit. Uh, so, you yeah. know, I have contemporary motor cars, you know, the, this was a gentleman that basically, uh, you know, believed in us when it was me asking on a fence, basically going, hey, I think we're going to start a series, you want to be involved. And he's like, <laughs> whatever you need. Uh, so that was really cool. And, and, you know, the cool part about it is, it's not that that person's there for, for two weeks or two years. Basically, that person's with us for 10 years. Now, that's that's, that's a really cool piece. Uh, and, and, you know, it goes to Sherwin-Williams. Uh, you know, we have uh, Orgain, which is a, a young man that actually, um, you know, he's within our program. Uh, you know, Pete Maletto, he, he basically put so much effort into trying to make this uh, – uh, this this program better i mean you have phil pignatero you know i this is kind of a plug for him and he tried to call us out for for us to mention him right but man he does some fantastic photos that he draws uh for our champions at the end of the year it's super special to be able to get a hand-drawn photo of yourself um you know as a champion so some of those things are super special and, uh, you know, I commend each and every one of them. Uh, you know, you talk about checkered motorsports. Uh, you know, every time at my driver's meeting, uh, you can't imagine how honored I am that, you know, Italian Motors uh, drives from, uh, you know, Washington State to do some of our races. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, so all of those things, you know, now we're seeing a lot of Canadian uh, competition come to us. You know, I know the Canadians are a little bit, you know, tough to deal with, but. Easy now. <laughs> uh, just messing with you, you know, so no, but it's, uh, it's great fun. I mean, you know, and, and, you know, obviously I'm, I'm going to have a very soft spot for, uh, for Canada. Um, you know, me being literally, uh, a mile away from the Canadian border there, yeah. uh, with our track and stuff. So, I mean, there's so many great things. I mean, I can't thank each and every one of our car shops and the people that really, you know, push the program, all of the sponsors, like I said, Vortex, IAMI, uh, Rotax. I think it's actually, you know, I, I boast and I talk pretty heavily about this to people that, uh, you know, we actually have Rotax, IAMI, and Vortex as a sponsor to the program. Now, I don't know if that could even exist <laughs> in the real world. Uh, it's probably in the same category as world peace, but it's up uh, there. We're, we've done it's it. It's up there. Yeah, yeah so we've yeah. done it, and it's great to actually have that, uh, and, and it's great to see everybody, you know, playing in the same sandbox as well as, you know, they play in their own, so. Well, you've definitely put together a fantastic program. That's uh, There's no doubt about that. It's the Gear Up F-Series, folks, and uh, Marco Oldhofer and joining us here on the Industry Insider, episode number 17 on the EKN Radio Network. Thrilled that you're tuning in either on the radio network for the initial playings or maybe you've downloaded the podcast a little later on. We usually get the podcast out about a week after the show debuts on the EKN Radio Network. Stick with us. When we get back, Marco's going to talk a little bit about the state championships that they're putting together as well. We're going to talk about his track, the New York Race Complex, and we'll take some questions that we got from Facebook as well. Stay tuned. More to come on the EKN Radio Network. Hello, karting fans. This is IndyCar driver Zach Beach, and you're locked into the EKN Radio Network. If the dream is IndyCar, set your target on the Road to Indy presented by Cooper Tires. Our ladder system is designed to take drivers 
through three rungs of competition. The first step is the Cooper Tires USF 2000 Championship, which features a carbon tub Tatus chassis, 180 horsepower, and paddle shift sequential gearbox. Boost the USF 2000's output to 280 horsepower for the newly named Indy Pro 2000 program, the second rung of the road to Indy, formerly known as Pro Mazda. Add in increased grip and aero downforce, and the Tatus PM18 becomes an incredible racing machine. The final step before IndyCar is the Indy Lights Championship presented by Cooper Tires. The Delara IL-15 boasts a whopping 450 horsepower. This car itself has helped train a third of the grid expected for the 2019 IndyCar Series. At all three levels, you race at premier venues on the same dance card as IndyCar. Showcase your skills under the watchful eyes of IndyCar scouts and owners. The program is unprecedented around the world offering the opportunity to climb the ladder with over $2 million in scholarships to the champions in USF 2000, Indy Pro 2000, and Indy Lights. Former Carters fill the roster of Road to Indy graduates in IndyCar, like Spencer Piggott, Zach Beach, Jack Harvey, Ed Jones, Matthias Laced, Felix Rosenquist, Colton Herta, and 2018 Indy Lights champion Pato Award. Recent graduates, like Kyle Kirkwood, are in the middle of their journeys right now as well. Follow in their footsteps. If you want to race IndyCar, there's only one choice. The Road to Indy, presented by Cooper Tires. Kometic Gaskets is a leading worldwide supplier of gaskets and engine sealing solutions for karting, automotive performance, power sports, original equipment, and the remanufactured engine industries. Kometic karting gaskets are available as OE replacement top-end kits or as individual gaskets and seals. Just like competitive carters, Kometic can operate on the fly and has the unique capability to customize any gasket to meet specific engine requirements and clearances. All of Kometic's fiber materials are asbestos-free and do not require any additional sealants. Viton oil ring cylinder head seals are used in each two-cycle kit, and Kometic's four-cycle engine kits feature only the most advanced multi-layer steel head gaskets. Kometic can tailor to engine builder specific needs through bulk ordering and packaging flexibility. Kometic gaskets are must-haves for championship winning teams across multiple disciplines of both professional and amateur motorsports. Kometic gasket, sealing championships since 1989. This is Jim McKinney and you're listening to EKN Radio Network 24-7. Welcome back to episode number 17 of the Industry Insider. My name is Rob Howden, joined today by the Gear Up F-Series promoter, Marco Oldhofer. And uh, we just kind of went through the 2019 season. What's happening? Kind of the thought process behind the way the class structure gets designed and the way they take a lot of input from their uh, from their racers and, and develop the way the program evolves throughout the years. Marco, let's talk about, you know, before we came on here, we talked briefly about it, but let's talk about the state championships as well. You know, you've developed this program that's for the whole Northeast. We talked about the fact that it's, you know, four different states. Uh, but you're all, you've also got your hand involved in some state championships as well, that the concept is to bring bring clubs together to, to work together. Yeah, I think, uh, I think one of the most important pieces of what I'm seeing throughout the sport uh, lately is that, um, you know, I think the, the local 
level stuff, the, the individual tracks are being somewhat forgotten. Um, I don't know, you know, I know that it's a difficult job each and every weekend to stand at a track and basically have, you know, 10, 15 people come to your track. But unfortunately, it's it's something that needs to happen. Now, we've been fairly fortunate because I guess we had the Gear Up Challenge as a springboard. So the state championship's been very successful. I have uh, a huge, you know, group of people that help to make that a success. But um, it, it it's something that I truly believe needs to be stronger. Our foundation is not strong enough in the sport. And, and I only noticed that. I, I notice it more now ever since the racetrack, New York. Um, but I also notice it because I do a lot with Englishtown Raceway Park, New Jersey Motorsports Park, Pittsburgh. I don't do a lot with them, but I know the, the, the lay of the land in these places. And I, I see that the, the day-to-day operations do not include a lot of competition karting. And that, that worries me. Um, and yeah. that's actually a bad thing for the sport. So I think that's kind of why that needed to go in that direction. And, and I love it. I, it's great. It's a little bit more of a relaxed atmosphere. It kind of reminds me of, uh, you know, uh, 11 uh, start day of gear up where it was kind of like me and my 30 best friends kind of coming to the racetrack. Um, now it's kind of like, oh, who's that guy at the track? But, you know, it, it, that was, it's kind of like a little bit more like that where it's a little bit more personal um, and, and it's a little bit more of a relaxed scenario. But don't, uh, don't let me dis- discard that the competition is absolutely fierce there as well. So it's actually really good. It's a, it's a good place for us to kind of promote the sport. Well, give me give me some more input. Let's let's like let's start with. There's the New York Karting Championship. What else do you have? Let's let's give maybe some more specifics for the EK and listeners so they know exactly what state championships we're talking. Okay, about. Okay, so the state championship actually started with the New Jersey portion. So basically, it's uh, it's two tracks: uh, uh, New Jersey Motorsports Park in Englishtown. We do five uh, this year. We're doing five at each track um, at New Jersey Motorsports Park. We have two different configurations, the big track Tempest, which we're on. And then we're also on the Liberator, which is a really nice, uh, technical, uh, half circuit of the Tempest. And then of course, Englishtown is, is, is definitely, um, you know, a place that creates great racing, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, the, the, the more state, orientated stuff uh now the new york karting championship that is something a little bit different the state championship in new jersey is kind of promoted by the f series uh straightforward uh but then the new york karting championships a whole nother animal that we've kind of worked on and it was actually um uh the owner of uh, lafayette motorsports park um tony uh he had basically contacted me and said hey you know why don't we do something very similar to what you have with the state championship. And I said, okay, so how do we do this? I said, I can't do it all. And I said, I don't know if you want to do it all. So we kind of came up with a format that basically uh, made um, all the track owners that are involved uh, somewhat responsible for a piece of, of it. Uh, and essentially that means, so New York race complex has two races. That means I'm responsible for those two races and, you know, whatever comes in the door is, is for me and, and there we go. And then whatever comes into the door at, uh, at uh, Lafayette motorsports park that goes there and that's a really good thing. And then, uh, an actual very much, um, uh, stable for New York karting is Avon, uh, Genesee Valley Card Club. Uh, and yeah. those guys um, are also hosting two of the races. So it's really good to see three tracks working together. And out of those three tracks, I mean, they're very much in northern New York, uh, around the Great Lakes area, uh, Lake Ontario. So that's a really great uh, thing. 
and it's working well. It was last year was kind of a test bed for us. Uh, this year we're kind of expanding it a little bit. Last year we had three races. Now we're doing six, two at each track. Uh, but it seems like it's already gaining a lot of uh, steam. And so I think it's going to be a great thing to kind of, and I think the most important piece about all is, is that there's continuity from the New York to, to Maryland, to New Jersey, to Pennsylvania. This would be the ideal thing and that everybody can go everywhere and they're, they're not, you know, kind of uh, dictated to go to one thing or the other. I, you know what, for me, I just like the fact that I'm hearing people work together. That's, uh, that's the thing we need in this sport, no doubt about it. Now, you mentioned the New York race complex, and let's talk about that a little bit. I, I had said that it's interesting that you're you know, a guy that came out of indoor karting. You get into karting, and you're outdoor racing, and you're doing the 125 stuff. You become a promoter, which, of course, sets you into a small group. Then you become a promoter that actually buys a racetrack. What was the storyline? What's the timeline for you picking up the track that was formerly known as St. Lawrence Motorsports Park. How do you end up buying a racetrack? Well, uh, I have to kind of thank my buddy, Tony Lishak, for that. Uh, that's competitive card sports. If I can plug another yep. guy here, right? Please. Uh, so the thing Tony's is that, uh, yeah, Tony has been uh, – he's always been a huge promoter and a huge backer of what we've been doing. Never let loose, not one day, right? Um, and so the thing is he's always looking out for us to kind of figure out what we can do next and where to go and how to get it done. And, and he said, man, you should really look at this racetrack. It's about two hours north of where I live. It's a fantastic track. It would probably be my favorite track if it had – you know, everything done to it and so on and so forth. And I said, all right. So, and two, three years goes by because I said, you know, we're not big enough to kind of go that far away. And, you know, we were working very much in New Jersey and Oakland Valley race park and so on and so forth. So, uh, and then basically one day, a good friend of ours, I'm sure Josh Lane and uh, Christian Bauhaus um, basically invited us up to the track to kind of just spend a weekend up there and just do some, shifter cart racing with my son and so on and so forth. So I went up there and, uh, and something else, I will be honest. Uh, it's a very special area. It's at a thousand Island, uh, area of New York. Um, if I can be honest with you, I've went to, uh, California and I thought it was the prettiest place, uh, in the country, but then I went up here and, uh, man, it's got, it's a, it's a close run for these two places. Um, it's just it's a it's a great area just in general. A lot of Amish, uh, very rural. You feel like you're in a, you know in a very tranquil place. So with that being said, um, there there's actually a funny story, and I don't want to curse on your podcast here, but uh, so basically we we come down the hill of this particular uh, uh, of the track. When you drive in, you drive on in on a 50, 60 foot hill. Uh, and basically when you drive in, every single person stops and you will do it, including you. I guarantee it. You will stop and you will go, holy, you know, beep. Uh, yeah. yes, beep. so, and, and so all of a sudden I said, wow, this is something else. You know, this is a really special place. So we, we kind of work. And I, I was trying to work with a promoter that was trying to do, uh, something up there, not the owner of the facility. Well, we try to put a race on and so on and so forth. That's a long story. I won't get into that, but that kind of work didn't work out as, as we had planned, uh, just because financial things don't work out sometimes the way you'd like them to. Um, but then basically, um, uh, as soon as that kind of fell through, I said, Tony, you know, who owns the place? Said, oh, this guy, Joe, so on and so forth. So I said, you know, why don't I talk to Joe and see if we can get a race to go on up there? Well, me and Joe started talking. He felt 
he felt my passion about the track and he goes, listen, he goes, if I want to sell this thing, I want to sell it to somebody like that's as passionate as you about, about all this. Yeah. So basically, um, you know, we came to an agreement and, um, you know, we bit the bullet and, uh, that's literally what I did. I bit the bullet. <laughs> Uh, so from there on, you know, I, I, I think I've even sent you some funny pictures about painting curves in the middle of the night. And yeah. Stuff. So there- <laughs> well, I was going to go, I was going to go there because the first, for, before we go there, first off, a lot of people don't know about this racetrack. When it first got built, I know that I was getting contacted. Hey, we're building this racetrack. Yeah. It's a little bit North in, in the New York, but we're going all in. Like it's a full CIKFIA track. It's like it's over uh, over kilometers, about 1.2 kilometers long. I know it's like 30, 35 feet wide. Like this place was done correctly. It just wasn't in the wheelhouse of where everybody would have wanted to have races. So this is this tremendous track. What you've developed in the Northeast now makes this track super viable because you're de- building this program. But let's go, we'll go back. You and I were on the phone the one night. I think we were trying, we we're going back and forth to try to talk about some information. And I think when you called me or when I, when we were talking, you were painting the curbs, but there was no power or something like that. So you were painting the curbs like with the light, the lights off your car. Yeah, with a generator. And uh, it was actually kind of scary. I was looking around. It was, it was a 30-foot bubble that I was working in. Uh, yep. But we were so close to that inaugural uh, race. And so we really needed to hustle down and, uh, and get it taken care of. Uh, so yeah, it was super important for us to do that, but that's kind of how that, and you know, I found myself, the lights go out pretty quickly up there and after about 10 o'clock on, in a summer. <laughs> and, uh, so we really worked hard to try to put, uh, you know, the track into a place where when people come, they feel like that they've arrived. And, uh, and that's kind of why it's taken us a little bit longer, I think, than, you know, everybody said, oh, wow, well, you bought it. Okay. Well, let's promote stuff. And that doesn't work like that. Unfortunately, I'm not going to invite you to my house unless there's windows in my house and you got a toilet to go to. So, and, and that's kind of how we did this, you know, we, yeah. and you, you're going to laugh, but about uh, two months ago before the end of the season is when I actually felt really comfortable about letting people kind of come and say, Hey, you know, now we're really there. You're driving in and you're driving in on a real road. And, you know, so there's a lot there. It's all done with our own thing. You know, I actually made a, a few notes about what the improvements we have done uh, over, over the time that we uh, we've owned it. Now we've only owned it. This is probably going on to right now about two years. Uh, yeah. But since, you know, uh, we've, we paved in August of last season, but since then we put 4,000 feet of asphalt into the track. Uh, wow. We hand poured 1,000 feet of curbs, Right. We put last year, we put 60 gallons of paint on the track, 400 feet of gallons of sealer onto any unpaved surfaces, Uh, 800 feet of fencing. And uh, this year is a small project of 300 feet of curb that we're going to finish the rest of the track with. So, you know, just it's and and, uh, this is on top of all the other stuff that we have going on. So, yeah. Yeah. you know, um, I don't know what I was thinking about when I went to that indoor karting track, but, uh, right. <laughs> uh, you know, well, again, but it's, it's really been gratifying. It's, uh, it's really worth it. It's to put another place into the Northeast that people can go to. Uh, and I think the really great part about the track is that I'm actually super excited about is that it's, I feel that it's somewhat of a bridge to our Northern uh, brothers, right? At the end of the day, yeah. because I mean, there is some fierce racing that goes on in Canada. 
And for us to be able to create a place where, uh, you know, there's somewhere in the middle of the road. I mean, at the end of the day, somebody from, uh, say, from ICAR or Montreblanc to go to New Jersey is a pretty big haul. But for them to go to a New York race complex is actually a, a pretty nice, you know, middle ground. So I think. Well, and I, lo- and I like that because, you know, that cross-border Ontario New York kind of thing was was big in the eighties and nineties. You know, Mark. I mean, it was it was a big deal, right? The guys would race at Batavia at Avon, as you said. They'd go run Oakland Valley, whatever it may be. So you're obviously offering up something that's pretty amazing in terms of having some of that cross border competition that that used to happen in the old days. A lot of Formula A guys going back and forth between Ontario, Quebec, and New York. Now. You've kind of laid out some of the stuff you've done to the track. And again, this is the New York race complex we're talking about, folks. What's the day-to-day? Do you guys have a rental fleet there? Is there, you know, is there kind of a for-hire program? Or is it, is it totally just competition at this point? Well, I, I you live fairly close to the track, right? I mean, within like three hours or so. In um, Canadian yeah. Canadian terms, that's like 20 minutes, right? I, I'm, a, I'm probably six hours, five or six. I'm, in, I'm near Toronto. I'm right, so that's 40 minutes then. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, something like that. Maybe. <laughs> right, right. Uh, so the thing is, but obviously you know that it's very, very uh, inclement weather, uh, you know, probably from about ne- November to about April. But yep. from about April, late April until about uh, middle of October to the end of mm-hmm. October, you know, we're going to have – we're going to be open quite a lot. Uh, we're going to have, you know, a pretty aggressive schedule. Uh, last year I tried to do something where we had a uh, – um, uh, basically like a club series, but that didn't really work out too well. You know, I kind of got ahead of myself a little little bit. I, I was under the impression I was going to be dealing with something that I was dealing with in New Jersey, uh, okay. where we have an established community, which we didn't. Um, you know, the track's been, I don't want to say been totally dormant because it's been open, but it's just not been promoted heavily. So w- what we're doing now is we're doing more special events. Uh, we're going to be focusing on on trying to get the local community involved, um, offer up some fun stuff to do. Um, we, we do have some rentals that we're going to be offering. We have 10 rental carts up there, um, which, you know, luckily uh, Pitts International uh, Race Complex basically sold their carts. So we were lucky enough to be able to get some of those. And, and this will be a great start for us because it's a way – for for hopefully to get another Marco uh, that gets into a rental car and never lets go. <laughs> That's it. That's uh, so it. Uh, I'm hoping that, that that will make that happen. And um, and then, you know, like I said, we're going to have some special events. We have the gear up again up there. We have the New York Karting Championship for two races. So we'll probably have about five or six really competitive, fun races up there. And then the rest of it's just going to be basically knuckles down and trying to get people involved and, and show them how good this sport is and how fun it is. And, you know, not to boast about the, you know, the track too much, but man, the guys who did the paving on the track, I don't know what they were doing, but they put the surface is absolutely flawless. I mean, it is, it's a mile without a bump in it. Wow. And it's, there is no undulations and it's a speedway fast car track. It's really cool. And, you know, I hope uh, that everyone will take a trip, not just for the track. It is a beautiful area. The Thousand Islands is something yeah. special uh, in, you know, between Canada and, and, and New York. So I, I would, you know, encourage anybody to take a visit and, and spend some time. Uh, there's great cottages, great fishing, things like that, as well as, uh, as racing. 
Well, anytime we can have a brand new track or a new track, refurbished track with the kind of passion that you have behind it, that's a key thing. And I would say uh, to everybody listening here, uh, that's the kind of facility you want to at least head up to one time, support what Marco's doing up there, because that's uh, obviously extremely big. Now, we're going to cut to another quick commercial. We come back. I've got those questions from Facebook. I'm going to get Marco to give me some of his thoughts on the sport. He's obviously in tune with the the Northeast, but more than that, the industry as well. And we'll talk about the future of the F-Series, what he's got planned for the next couple of years. Stick with us. More to come here on the EKN Radio Network. Hello, Carding fans. This is Gabby Chavez, and you're locked into the EKN Radio Network. Do you want to drive the best? Drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact including taking the KZ Finals at the Scuse Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts and all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the Mini categories, to the Heron for Tag Race, the Road Rebel for Gearbox Competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs Racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Joining the Rawls and Performance Group is the obvious choice to take your racing to the next level. Industry-leading driver development is provided by our staff of multi-time national champions, super nationals winners, and former Team USA members. And at the same time, RPG continues to be a national-level powerhouse race team. Our goal is to help you raise your game and win races. Rawls Performance Group is setting a new standard with our in-house engine program, AVP Engines, headed by Alex Vincent. AVP has become the benchmark in the IAMI X30 categories. We have the largest trackside OTK inventory, providing parts to racers and teams at all the major events in North America. RPG can also offer multilingual support, as we have French and Portuguese-speaking staff. If you want to fight for championships or want to improve your skills and your chances to win, the answer is to call RPG at 503-260-4514. The Rawlison Performance Group. We race to win. This is Brian Jarscrack, and you're listening to the EKN Radio Network. Welcome back to the EKN Radio Network, Tuesday, February the 5th, 2019. Rob Howden and Marco Oldhofer as we talk about the Gear Up F-Series. We've gone through the 2019 season. We talked about uh, the state championships, uh, Marco's track, the New York Race Complex. Uh, Marco, we got a couple of questions from Facebook. I know a couple of guys threw some stuff out here. We had uh, good comments from the guys at Checkered Motorsports, big supporters from yours. Um, Emily McFowl Coon had a couple of questions. <laughs> Number one, she was asking about the Rock VLR 100cc program for juniors. Is that something you've looked at? Because you can see in a number of programs we, that 100cc, whether it's the Rock or the IAMI K100, people are kind of jumping at that. Is that something you're, you're looking at? You know, I, I think it's a great, uh, great platform. Um, you know, you, you, you'll laugh at this one as well. Uh, about 
10 years ago, a car shop that I was dealing with pretty aggressively. He said, man, this tag 125 is so fast, man. It's so fast. They almost need a hundred CC, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, I'm, and then it's 10 years later, we're talking or we're, we're, we're promoting it. Right. So there is a great place for it. I think it's a great thing to have. The only thing that worries me is that we don't have enough racers. Um, we, we have, you know, a hundred racers and we have 10 classes. That means there's 10 people in each class and to continuously keep splitting the pie, uh, continuously keep, keep, uh, keep, um, confusing people on what to do next is, is a little difficult for me. Now I will say, uh, I'm, I don't understand really why, and this is something that I've been known to do and, uh, I don't really want to do too much of it anymore. Um, but I don't really know why this program is being promoted always at the high level. Uh, why are things not introduced at the bottom level? Why are they well, – I don't want to say bottom. This is a bad way to kind of say these things. But why is it not promoted on a, on a local level? Get some structure. Get, get a foundation and then basically use it as you go up and, and use it for the big stuff. Uh, it's not done like that. It's always promoted at the top level and then it, it – you know, it either fails or doesn't. Well, they're they're hoping for trickle down as opposed to trickle up, right? It's I we David Cole and I, uh, Marco, have talked about this in, in a number of podcasts where we really believe that the hundred CC program would be better served at the club and regional level, not so much at the top national pro level stuff. We understand having it the super nats, you know, kind of that big Olympics of of hundred CC racing, but man. I, we agree with you. It's you, you want the pyramid, right? You want the pool to be big, the, the the foundation of the pyramid to be strong and and wide, and then have people work their way up to the ranks. It's it's a different deal. It's 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 all about supply and demand at this point. There's a lot of competition in the sport, and that's really to a certain extent playing more of a vital, or not vital, more of a role of how things new products do get unveiled and rolled out. Yeah, so I, I think you know on a on a state level, I think it'd be a great thing. Um, when it comes Agreed. to gear up, uh, you know, we're really, really focused on our tag, uh, junior tag, senior tag. You know, I think this is where, you know, I'm kind of torn between promoting a fun, great time program and that ultra professional type scenario. We could, because our class structure certainly reflects an ultra professional program, right? Where it's mini 60 tag shifter, right? Yeah. That kind of goes along the along that program of DKM, WSK kind of thing where it's all just okay junior, okay senior, and then then KZ1, KZ2 type scenario. So, you know, I, I would think that the KA is better served uh, on a local level at, at club races, at, at fun programs. Um, and, and then, you know, if it, if it takes off big enough and, and there's a real push for it, uh, you know, then adding it that way. But I don't know if adding it on the bigger level first and then putting it I, – I've never agreed with that. Um, yep. But that's just my opinion. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's right to yeah. say or wrong to say, but uh, that's – Hey, somewhat- listen, your your opinion is your opinion. It's nothing right or wrong about it, right? You're allowed to have it, and I, and I appreciate that. Now, Emily had another question as well, obviously a little t- tongue-in-cheek. She <laughs> said, are you ordering less rain for the 2019 season? Well, listen, I, I have always – I actually, this became a running joke, right? So the F series is called the Flood Series. Um, oh, my goodness. That was one piece of the equation. But I will say uh, that uh, if any of our, of our drivers make it to IndyCar – well, IndyCar wouldn't work that way. But say, for instance, Formula One um, and there's a rain race. Now I can say we got this in the back. Uh, so 
Yeah, that exactly. would be it's only training. benefit for all of this. But uh, at the end of the day, we're trying really not to have as much. It really put a, a damper on our program. We had some really, really fun things planned. Uh, and, you know, the the, the podium and, and, and downpours is not really all that fun. So all of those things, you know, we had so many more visual uh, things that we had planned for this year. We had a lot of great things. But uh, I think that this coming season, um, you know, we've had fairly good luck throughout the year. So one bad one, I guess, is uh, is something you got to take in stride. And and I think that this year is going to be great. I mean, from looking from the tracks, chin up all the way. I mean, we're, I think we're doing really good. And uh, hopefully, we'll have a few less. Uh, here's something a little, a little more direct. And it's, it's always an interesting thing, because you and I have talked about the differences in people not understanding what it's like to actually run a racing series. Uh, Carmen Zabo is asking, do you plan on having proper corner workers flagstaff to ensure clear and fair racing? I, from where I watch these races, people, they just, they think a corner worker is going to be able to pick up anything that happens on the racetrack. Is there, are you guys doing more to, to maybe raise the level of your, of your marshalling program uh, with the series? Yeah. You know, I, I, I did see the, the, the question. Um, and I know the family well, uh, we, we, you know, we have a, a great time at the races and so on and so forth, but you know, from a, from a perspective of running a race, um, you know, it's one thing to be, you know, when I take the brunt of something, I've committed myself to, to kind of doing this, but man, it's tough to swallow when, uh, somebody's not happy, uh, with the way that something is working, uh, especially because the track workers, the tech, the grid, uh, I mean, we have probably some of the most dedicated people when it comes to doing this, and they put their heart all in. I mean, there there is no shortage of uh, of, of of dedication and and, and trying at, at best to do this. But I'll tell you, I mean, from anybody that would pose a question uh, of this, it you know, just put yourself in the shoes of standing outside for twelve hours, and then guess what? In the rain. <laughs> For most of our season, uh, right? the, the, yeah. yeah, to to be able to you know to 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 try to make it any better is uh, is tough. Um, and I will say, every single series has this issue, as we can see. Uh, I've Agreed. listened to some of your other podcasts. I mean, uh, as you you know, obviously, some of your 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 series out there have uh, huge surveillance systems and 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 unending amounts of staff and all these things. And they make the program super expensive. Uh, Does, am I saying by that, that I won't continue to try to make our team better? Hell no. We're we're working as hard as we possibly can. We do our hard. We do. We work on, we talk about how do we make it better? How do we work on it? How do we improve our rule book? How to, you know, it just keeps coming. So at the end of the day, of course, this is a, a no-brainer and a hundred percent that we're going to try to keep improving, but you know, I, I look, I, I do watch big racing as well, NASCAR and Formula One and things like that, and those guys can't get it right. So this doesn't this doesn't make me feel very warm and fuzzy when I, I'm talking about trying to get it perfect. How do they not do it when they have a helicopter? I can't, I can't even get a That's train it. ride. You know? <laughs> and you know, these guys can't do it right. So I, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say that we're we're not going to continuously strive for being better and, and continuously making a better program but it is a very tricky thing try to watch a race uh, you know I, i'll be i'll be the first one to to say that i've watched 10 people go in a corner or 25 people go in a corner and, and three people not leave the corner and i know what happened 
And I'll be the first yeah. one to say that that that's it's so hard to make this, you know, to to do this right. Um, I don't know. I, I yeah, we're certainly trying well, the hardest, but as you can feel my frustration from from this particular question, I don't know how to fix issues that almost are impossible to fix in some way. That's the line right there. And this is something that I try to get across to so many people that is we're talking about people. It's it, it that's the it's the people equation, right? It's the person that the corner worker, they're gonna miss stuff. They're not gonna be in the exact right angle. And perception is one thing. A parent's gonna say that guy took my kid out. Maybe the kid break checked the guy and didn't tell him. It, it's 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 perception is such a tough thing. And we have that people equation. There's mistakes are gonna be made, perception's gonna be different. I just I want I want any racer's family to understand that that it's not perfect. Even the video marshalling system, the expensive video marshalling systems aren't perfect. They're, do, they're fantastic. But like you say, they add a huge amount of cost to the bottom line, staffing, just purchasing it. You, you get it completely. That it's not, it ain't easy. But what you can do is have passionate people in those positions and continually getting them to more experience, getting better at what they do. And the, the more consistency, Marco, you have in your people in those positions, they're going to get just better and better with more experience. That's the bottom line to be sure. Yeah. You know, I think the other uh, key piece is that I, and this is, you know, I, I might sound like I'm good at giving excuses already because I've done it so many times and so often, but uh, you know, the other problems that I see in our sport, uh, you know, when I first started doing this, we have seven, eight, nine races a year. I mean, you know, how about you be a dentist for seven or eight, nine days a year? Uh, how good, how good would you be at pulling a tooth after 10 days? Uh, it's just, it's, we don't have this, like that, that we do it every day and we become really good at our jobs when, you know, what happens say one weekend will may not happen for another 20 weekends. So that's a span of two years, for instance. So it's such yeah. a tricky piece to the sport that actually and it makes our it makes our job very difficult it makes us all and i'll put us all in one pot it makes us all seem very unprofessional but it's not by it's not by choice it's by something that it's just we don't do enough agreed looking through our other questions that we got on our ekn post uh, on facebook uh people asking about the 100 cc question you've already said you talked about that you talked about the rock gp and why you don't have it in the tag categories uh i think we did pretty good here marco you've knocked it out now garrett potter did ask him if you plan to do any curbs or painting on his track that this year he didn't put a smiley face in there but i'm going to say it's probably part of it yeah everybody's, everybody's very uh very funny right why don't you come out and help me garrett uh because there it is. you know we, we're what's it we, we're going to do another 300 feet so, uh, and that will literally finish the entire racetrack. Uh, you're going to love it. Um, I, I, we did four curbs last year. That's it. Four. But they okay. were a total of 600 feet. Wow. Right. Each one okay. of them was, a, I think the smallest was 125 and the longest was 190 feet. Uh, wow. so, you know, and it added a very cool factor to the track where now there's really, you know, some substance there and, you know, you don't have dirt coming onto the track and stuff. So we are doing more stuff to the track and, uh, it certainly is, um, is getting, you know, better. Uh, you know, I actually wrote some of the, 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 the questions down too. And I, I noticed one of the questions was that we, you know, people would like to see some different tires, um, you know, and I, I don't think that's necessarily across the board. I, I think people are pretty happy 
Uh, I'm going to be honest, you know, we used a certain brand for a long time. And now we're using, of course, the LeContire for the last uh, couple of yep. years. But man, one thing that I, I'm going to be, I'm going to add to this when somebody would ask me about different tires and so forth. We, we've seen one thing that's been very good, and this may not reflect gear up, uh, but it's reflected the state championships uh, where that particular tire has actually um, kind of made competing on a weekly basis at our state championships a little bit simpler. Why do I say that is because the tires are incredibly good wearing and they're a little bit durable compared to some of the other uh, tires that may be being utilized throughout the program. So, yep. and, and, you know, that is a big part of why we would make our decision on a particular tire. So, um, you know, I, I want to make sure I address all the p- questions that, that were out there. So. I appreciate that. That's good. That's really good. Now. Okay. So you, you know, the, a couple of things you've said here you, and knowing where you come from, the different parts of the sport you're involved in, you were a racer, you're a promoter. Now you're a track owner. You know, you've done a lot of stuff in the sport. Overall, if I were to ask you, what what do you what are your thoughts on the sport right now? What do you think about the health of karting, particularly in the Northeast? I'd like to get your input on that. Well, you know, uh, I'm never really super happy uh, with how things are because I just feel like that if the the fields aren't already deep, and that's not necessarily because of money or oh I got to make or I got to have the biggest fields or this and that. I just think that it's. I enjoy a really good race, you know, and this is something that I'll go back to with New York race complex. The last race that we had at gear up last year, uh, this will give you an indication of how, why I would say certain things. When we were at New York race complex, I was standing and watching the races through the middle of the field. And I said, wow, you know, I'm, I, I would really love to have more of these up here. Why? Because it's a fantastic track and, and the racing is just incredible. So this has always been my motivation. To, to have better races. Um, so the Northeast, I will say, is uh, is getting better. But I, for instance, this is another piece, and I'm all over the place at this point, but uh, I basically went and I spoke to one of my car shops at the end of the year, and I said, man, this is not good. I said, we're not, you know, I said, we're getting like 20 people here on a practice day, and, you know, the track owner isn't going to be happy, and so on and so forth. And, and this wasn't at New York, but this was somewhere else. Uh, but and the guy said, man, he goes, you got to settle down. Things are a lot better now than they ever were here before. Okay. So that's a good thing in a sense. But that doesn't mean that it's a good thing because at the end of the day, 20 people at a track isn't enough. The, what, what needs to be, we need to have 50, 60, 100. We need to have more. You know, I think uh, at this point in time, when it comes to like Gear Up and all the other programs that are out there, we're kind of all kind of fighting for each other's customers. And that's a bad thing. I think what we need to do is we need to have a bigger environment. Everybody needs to be positive. The customers are our biggest or the racers and and the customers and the teams are our biggest uh, promoters. At the end of the day, they need to believe in what we're doing and they need to push as hard as we do to get people to come out and have a good time. And uh, and people also need to – you know, kind of keep people local for a while. I think that's the other thing is that I see in the sport. People seem to drive each other across the country for a race after they've been in it for eight weeks. Um, I think, you know, people need to stay local longer. They need to get their foundation and they need to get their, uh, their, their, their confidence level 
and their experience level up before they actually venture out and go do other stuff. And that's everywhere because I think what does happen in a sport is people go ahead and uh, venture out really quickly. Then they get deflated because they don't do so well because they're against, they're up against the toughest competition out there and then they leave the sport. So that means we don't keep them around as long. Yeah. You know what? If somebody's going to go skiing and they're learning skiing, you take them to the bunny hill at the start, right? You teach them how to ski, you let them go. They move to an intermediate uh, slope after that. You don't take them to a double diamond. Yeah. I think the, That's pretty I think much the ladder skill. system is a little bit, um, a little bit skewed. Uh, I don't, I, it's probably always been skewed. I don't know. I mean, I can't speak for 30 years ago, but uh, maybe it's just the way of the world. Um, things are changing. Certainly the way that we perceive everything, you know, with the way that, I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that a lot of the shops now, when they get a hold of somebody, especially if they properly funded, they want to get them somewhere where they can spend, you know, they can spend a lot of money and, and take them somewhere big. I, I totally agree with you that I'd like to see people spend more time at the club level. Maybe that's a licensing system that says, Hey, you know what? You, you've only been racing for eight months or eight weeks. You can't come to this race. You're going to stay here at the club level for two years. Then you're going to play with regionals. That's, that's another story where you and I can talk about for a long time. Now, we're coming to the end of this one here. We got about two or three minutes left to go. Anything you want to say potentially about the future of the F series? Is there something your your vision down the line? Um, you know, I think um, you know some, some. I think continuously grow on what we have. You know, build on what we have currently. Uh, make it stronger. Yeah. Make it uh, more. Uh, see more continuity throughout the sport, so that you can go from one place to the next, to the next, to the next. I think the one part that you know, and this is probably not a right place to go, uh, but you know, a lot. Of, everybody's doing their own thing. So you know, you got this group doing this engine and that engine and that on all they're doing. So nobody can go from one place to the next. Uh, and that, that's yeah. a bad thing in a sense. Um, so, you know, I think that's why one of the reasons why I'm a big proponent of, you know, the okay scenario or the CIK thing where you have every manufacturer could be involved as long as they follow the rules and regulations. I think that's a brilliant yeah program uh just nobody's ever adhered to it i don't really understand why that's never happened um because i think we do need we're we're all i feel like we're all too small so we all need to bind together to make something larger and that isn't something we're doing at all uh words of wisdom there folks from marco oldoffer uh marco thank you so much for joining us i appreciate you coming on the ecan radio network for the first time great podcast uh we were looking at maybe an hour it got too good this is going to be a 90 minute podcast. This is great stuff. I appreciate it. Well, you know, listen, you, uh, when I told you I could talk, you know, and everybody will tell you that that is a true fact. You and I, you and I together. That's, that's a, that's a two hour podcast right there. Bermuda. That's what I say. We need to go back to Bermuda. Yes, I like that idea. That was uh, a fun thing. And maybe this year that will happen for a Grand Prix there. I, I'm here in potentially October. Uh, Scotty, uh, Sketchy Barnes sent me a text. I got to get back to him. So maybe October and our return to Bermuda. That'd be a lot of fun. Yes, I heard that as well. Marco, thanks again. But I really appreciate it. Good luck with everything with the F-Series. As I said before, throughout the broadcast, you've got such a great group of supporters. You know, with in the Facebook post that we put up to get questions, people are on there. We didn't get a lot of questions, a handful, but most of the guys were coming on saying, thank you, thank you. They support what you do. So obviously you've done the right thing. you got people behind you, and that program continues to grow. Congratulations. Well, thank you for having us. And, uh, you know, I hope to speak to you soon. And I know we'll be involved in working hard together to make the sport uh, bigger together. 
That's what we do. We work together. We can definitely make it happen. Again, folks, Marker Oldhofer from the Gear Up F-Series. Essentially, as I said, that that Cornerstone Foundation regional program, regional national, if you want to call it that, uh, up in the Northeast. They uh, are really doing great things through the state programs as well. And again, we thank him for being on the ECAN Radio Network, episode 17 of the Industry Insider. Folks, we are done with this one here. Uh, We hope you enjoy it. If you got a free weekend, have a look at that one in July, July 19th, 20th, 21st. It's the F-Series at New York Race Complex. As Marco said, beautiful country up there and uh, definitely be one of those vacation races that you and the family can enjoy. Again, on behalf of Marco Oldhofer, my name is Rob Howden. Bye for now.